This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. And good afternoon. What's up, everybody? On this Tuesday, April the 18th, 2023, a brand new edition of the BearCast Live on YouTube. And if you're catching us after the fact, well, hope you're doing well. We have a busy show for you this afternoon. A lot to get to all around the world of Baylor athletics. And we are probably not going to be able to get to every single you know, juicy morsel of uh, news going on or results going on or just general activity going on. But we are going to try to cover as many bases as we possibly can. I'm Craig Smoke, joined as always by Grayson Grunhafer. And uh, this is the BearCast on Sikkim365.com and on YouTube. And as we come to you, uh, just within the last five minutes, already a piece of breaking news uh, today and one piece of news that... Baylor basketball fans were certainly looking forward to a lot of discussion about it over on the website, and I can imagine that uh, now that it's official, there's a lot of discussion ongoing right at this very moment. But Grayson, uh, let's start off as we just kind of dive in here uh, with a big basketball pledge as uh, Jaden Nunn has given his verbal pledge to Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears. That coming down just here within, uh, like I said, the last five minutes or so. Uh, but he is uh, now officially a member of the Baylor basketball family. Just posted a graphic, said committed. He's got a picture of him dribbling. Uh, even shows 2021 national champs, Baylor basketball. And uh, just simply said committed and ha- or just simply said hashtag sick him and a couple of Bear logos. Uh, but he heads on over, transfer guard from VCU. And uh, we were waiting for some dominoes to, to start moving along. And they certainly are on the way out, as we'll get to here in a few moments. But... Uh, how you doing this week, and how about we dive right into what, in your opinion, is what type of addition for Baylor basketball? Yeah, I mean, this is a big week, honestly. We're, we're going to be talking about the spring game and obviously this basketball news as well. There, there's just a lot to get into, but you're exactly right. I mean, this was literally five, ten minutes ago that Jaden Nunn gave his pledge to Baylor. This is something we'd alluded to, I believe, last week when we talked. We mentioned Jaden Nunn and uh, him being a guy that, it felt like he was going to end up at Baylor. Um, They recruited him really hard immediately when he entered the portal. And so now Baylor has a really good shooting guard on their roster. I think he essentially makes up for the loss of LJ Cryer, not saying it's a one-for-one situation or that he's better than Cryer or anything like that. But more so what I'm saying is they found their replacement for him. And so he's bigger than Cryer. He gives them more defensive versatility. He shot 40% from three. I'm not saying he's the shooter that Cryer is by any means, but he's a very capable score, capable shooter, great size. Um, and honestly, I think this is a clear indication from Scott Drew and the staff that they're going to value defense and length and athleticism uh, more so than they did a year ago, which I think is very encouraging. So, Jaden Nunn, originally from uh, Flint, Michigan, and uh, played at VCU, as we just mentioned, 6'4", 
Uh, last I saw, 190 pounds, but um, yeah, uh, was a great player for them. Standout, somebody whose name's been thrown about quite a bit uh, here as of late for Baylor as a potential addition, and so now that's official. Jaden Nunn of VCU had entered the transfer portal uh, back in, uh, gosh, uh, well, I guess about three weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, late March, and here we are mid-April, just after mid-April, and he is a member of the Baylor Bears. So there you go. Jaden Nunn, welcome to uh, to Waco here eventually. Look forward to talking more about him and, and how he fits in. But uh, uh, Ashley Hodge and, and everybody rejoicing over on the, the boards, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I, I think he's a great fit, honestly. Just everything that I've seen, the highlights that I've seen, I just think he brings a different element that they really needed. And he's going to come right in. I expect him to be their one of their starting wings. Um, you're probably going to have Jacoby Walter as another wing. Hopefully, Jalen Bridges. And then, of course, whoever your center is, most likely Everyday John um, or Eves Missy or Josh O. But, yeah, it's an intriguing group. Right now, they're just going to have to try to figure out the point guard position, which is going to come down to either a big decision or they're going to have to enter the transfer portal and try to find another one. But, yeah, huge addition, a starter in my eyes for this Baylor team next year. And uh, meanwhile, Scott Drew and company can also, you know, look towards the NBA draft uh, here in the next you know, a couple months as far as uh, just more reasons to kind of draw attention to the brand and, and market and promote the brand. I mean, they get a big commit today, but you, you kind of look forward and, and just looking at the, the time period right now, this past weekend, he gets inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, here eventually later on this summer, Keontae George is going to you know walk that stage as an NBA draft pick, but also going on right now. Uh, Davion Mitchell and the Kings having some success in the postseason, which is a lot of fun to see. And off night with some great defense. Uh, that's been his calling card throughout his NBA career, uh, but also a big three last night to help uh, seal the deal for the Kings as uh, they go up 2 nothing on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, so big deal there to see the Kings having success for the first time in a long time and to see Davey on a part of it. And I bring that up just because uh, it just hit me last night watching some of that that they finally – I mean, not that Davion, like, all year long was a guy that was much talked about or anything. He's kind of still sort of finding his place at times, I feel like, in, in the NBA, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, and he's, he doesn't have the skill set to be a night-in, night-out superstar. Um, but the way that they're recruiting, they're going to eventually hit on that guy. And they're, they've got the Jeremy Sohans and guys like that that are starting to pile on the league. But just dawned on me, like, when's the last time we've seen, like, more than one guy maybe at a time, like, have an impact, like mm-hmm. a real – impact on you know an NBA roster and and the way they're starting to build that up as I was watching Davion last night I just thought was very cool and that's certainly going to come in handy as you put him in the league and uh, Sohan in the league and Keontae George in the league and and there will be more and I just think that's great and that's something that they'll really be able to use to their to benefit moving forward yeah and Tarian Prince played really well in the play-in game as well and now he's still in the playoffs with Minnesota probably won't last very long but they're still in the playoffs he's playing a big role because of some injuries so that's been great to see and you're exactly right Davion played great um so impressed by him I know a lot of people around the league have talked about uh, just his defensive ability which we knew about at Baylor that's kind of his calling card really off night but uh, yeah he's been talked about a lot in the NBA his problem really is he's behind De'Aaron Fox and so he's had to come off the bench and that's just kind of the way things have been Uh, but I do think in a different situation he could end up being um, a starting guard somewhere uh, maybe in the future but I think this is a great step forward seeing the kind of value he brings as an on-ball defender guarding 
you know, I think you could argue the best player in the league or one of the best players in the league in Steph Curry. Um, and this is actually the first time that Steph Curry's ever gone down 0-2 since he's been uh, in the NBA with the uh, Golden with Golden State. So it sounds like a nice time for the Kings to really buckle down because yeah. this is like when he's probably going to be at his absolute you know best uh, being down. Uh, you would think two games or nothing. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be scraping to get those next two uh, mm-hmm. or try to get the you know two more but a uh, nice start for the kings and davion mitchell that's for sure but yeah i was just sitting there watching him and thought like wow they're really starting to blossom in the league and it could really it'd be cool to see here in about two years of where the baylor alumni in the nba yeah. are because that'll certainly be at its highest output ever keontae um, george jacoby walter yeah. maybe eves missy miro little like yeah, there's so some Han. guys. Yeah, yeah Sohan, like a you lot mentioned. Of guys. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's going to be very cool. So, yeah, if you want to check out some uh, some Davion Mitchell, he's still out there, and uh, he'll gonna be out there for at least a few more days. But, uh, yeah, big deal uh, with Jaden Nunn now committed. So what does that mean as far as the roster? And you sort of alluded to it, a couple of other decisions uh, made this week. Uh, one of them, not surprising that he's not going to be coming back. Dale Bonner, we'll touch on that. Uh, guard made his decision was about a week or two ago. Yeah, we talked about yeah. him transferring, but where yeah. he ended up, we haven't mentioned Ends up yet. going to Ohio State, which is uh, getting back close to home for him. So uh, the Buckeyes, the choice for uh, him, and that was made official yesterday as Dale uh, posted uh, clearly on his visit all the get-up in the Ohio State uniform and the graphic and all that. So Dale Bonner is headed to Ohio State. Best of luck to him. Uh, but the other decision, the one that you're clearly waiting to talk about, is Adam Flagler, uh, who put out a Instagram post uh, and graphic yesterday and it was lengthy. Uh, you can see that from the very get-go. So you're like, all right, he's leaving, he's going, he's declaring for something. Well, uh, he was declaring for the 2023 NBA draft. Uh, wanted to say his thanks to his Lord and Savior and to the folks at Baylor and uh, mentioned you know, how much pride he had with Baylor across his chest and the love for the community and all those types of things. Uh, that you, you see in a lot of notes like this, but did say that uh, after a lot of prayer and consideration, he wanted to share that he's excited to enter the NBA draft. So uh, your thoughts on Adam Flagler? I know there's been a lot of talk about the potential of him coming back. Uh, there's been talk about him being on his way out. And, okay, how do they fill that uh, fill that role? And now at least a little bit more clarity on the part of Adam Flagler. So what are your thoughts? Right. I I still think there's a great chance he'll be back. I mean, you can still pull your name out of the draft. So I want to make that clear first there. This is not the end of what could be for Adam Flagler at Baylor. He could decide to come back, but he wants to test the waters. That makes perfect sense. Um, We still haven't really heard anything from Jalen Bridges on that either. So we're kind of awaiting both of those because I I expect Jalen Bridges to test the process as well. but we'll see. We'll see on both of those. But yeah, great for Adam. I mean, if he doesn't come back to Baylor, he's an all-time great. He's a guy who's been amazing for the Baylor program. We've seen them be one seeds. We've seen them won a national championship with him as kind of the seventh man, I guess you'd call it, with Matthew Meyer and Everyday John coming off the bench. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy for him, happy they made this decision. Whatever he decides, I think Baylor fans are going to be really proud of him and what he brought to the table for Baylor. But selfishly, I want him to come back. And I think every Baylor fan should want him to come back. This is a all-Big 12 type player, an all-American type player in my eyes, a guy who could be a first-team all-American next year. Um, in his second year running 
the point guard position, I think we could see a big step for him. I think we saw it towards the end of the year, but we could see an even bigger one from Adam Flagler. And if he comes back, I think that cements Baylor as a top 10, potentially top five team in the entire country. So it is a huge decision because if he does leave, you got to figure out a way to replace him with a point guard from the portal who's probably going to be someone who you know hasn't been around the program a long time. You're trying to rebuild in that way. You'd like to have your point guard, your floor general, come back for another year, and that'd be key for this program if he does. And right now, I, I think it's probably 50-50 if he does or doesn't, but I'm kind of on the leaning towards him coming back side. Yeah, I'm just, uh, just going to sit back and, and watch. I don't really have a good feel for what he does either way. Um, but it would be great to see him back, obviously, and, and it would be huge for Scott Drew and staff to have him back, uh, if at all possible, and it's possible. We'll just see how these next few days and, and weeks go before anything becomes official. But, yep, Adam Flagler testing the NBA draft waters, and uh, that will go how it goes, and we'll talk about whatever the end result is uh, ultimately. Um, so, yeah, busy day already uh, with Jaden Nunn committing and then of course uh, just the last couple days a lot of talk about you know who might be exiting so uh, anything else I guess on Baylor basketball and sort of where they sit right now but wanted to get to that since Jaden Nunn's commit was quite timely with us coming on air here yeah that was I mean obviously that's the big news from today really Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course throughout the week talking about Adam Flagler but yeah I think you know they're still looking through the portal Um, North Texas transfer Tyler Perry is still on their radar I think he released like a top seven or top eight Baylor was in that Um, for him though and Baylor I think that's really going to come down to what Flagler decides to do and so does Baylor just take someone and then just say hey you know we might bring back Adam or just move on from Adam if they find the right guy. Um, That's going to be an interesting dilemma, but he's a guy who's on the radar in case Flagler does decide to leave. All right, so there is basketball. And by the way, congrats to Scott Drew and his induction into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame as well over the weekend. I mentioned that at the top, but uh, that uh, taking place uh, here in Waco uh, on Saturday, uh, joining the likes of... uh, Adrian Peterson was in that class, among others, so a uh, good deal uh, along the banks of the Brazos, and just thought it very cool, like, how many times did he drive by that building? <laughs> I mean, thousands of times, and just down the street, at least for right now, not when the new arena opens up and the offices shift and all that, but for right now, his Hall of Fame spot mm-hmm. in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame is literally down the road. That's it's really cool. Like, just down the same road, so... Uh, he can go and stop in and visit uh, whenever he likes, but doesn't strike me as the type of guy that'll do that very much. But still a great honor for a guy who, when he came to Waco all those many years ago, and in the time that he did, could not have possibly had imagined that he would two decades later be a national champ and <laughs> Big 12 champ and Texas Hall of Famer. And, I mean, he'll be a lot of other Hall of Famers when all is said and done eventually as well. So a pretty good week, uh, but some things to figure out still for Baylor men's basketball. Okay, so... Meanwhile, uh, one of the bigger stories going on this week is is obviously spring football and the fact that we are winding it down, and uh, it will be the green and gold game coming up this Saturday that caps off the 15 spring practices. Uh, They've got a couple more to go uh, this week, uh, I believe Tuesday, and then I think it's Thursday maybe, and then they will uh, put it all together for one final 
glorified scrimmage practice on Saturday in front of folks in McLean Stadium, and then they will break, and then we won't see them again until basically July outside of social media posts and peeks into practice workouts and things like that. Uh, so, Grayson, where would you like to, to start here? I don't feel like we, we're, we're in need of a position-by-position position breakdown mm-hmm. for the spring game. I mean, we can have all summer to talk about the positions and who yeah. does what and all of that kind of jazz. Um, so, for the sake of that, uh, just I guess let's hit on some things that uh, you're looking forward to seeing. I'll chime in where necessary and just kind of the, the things you're looking at, I guess, heading into this game on Saturday or scrimmage on Saturday. Right. So, I think the first one that we both kind of need to – I guess have some input in on this is Dave Randa mentioned that they would like to name a quarterback mm-hmm. after spring football. Like you would like to do that. And I'm sitting here. I was in not necessarily in shock that he said that because of course you would like to, but kind of just like, is this really something we want to do again? Like, is this something that's a good idea when you just brought in Sawyer Robertson and you know, you're trying to build confidence. You, he, you've only given him, what, three months to try to win this starting job and then you're going to name a starter after the spring? I just, I I would not do that. I just don't, I don't see the reason to do that unless you are just so sure and everyone is so sure, including the other quarterbacks that another guy won the job. I just, I don't see the reason why you would do that. So I'm intrigued. What were your thoughts when he said that? I mean, he didn't say, like, we're going to do this. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I don't take it as, like, oh, it's uh, it's happening uh, necessarily. I, I just took it as anything's up for discussion and debate and, and open, and uh, they're not ruling out, you know, making a decision. But, you know, my mind immediately goes, like, why? What's the point, mm-hmm. really? I mean, unless you're just trying to appease Blake Shapin, and I don't know why you would feel the need to do that or why he's earned that, so... That doesn't make any sense to do it that way. I mean, other than just if Blake's clearly won the job, right. and maybe he has. Quite frankly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not naive enough at this point to like get fooled by every young guy that walks in thinking that they're the answer to every question. Um, and I know it's exciting, it's new, it's like getting a puppy or whatever. But you know, Blake Shapin was still the starter last year, and he's still around, and he's not just some schlub that's like, oh well, the new guy's here, let me get right. out of the way. Um, so I have been expecting Blake Shapin to be the starter heading into the next year. Um, and if he were to be named the guy, then that wouldn't be surprising to me. And it would tell me that like, he's just very clearly ahead and they feel confident in him. And Sawyer very clearly knows like, okay, like, cool. I'm here and I'm, I'm the safety guy. And I'm probably gonna end up playing at some point just because look at the history at that spot. Um, more than one quarterbacks played every year for like, I don't know how many years running at this stage. So he's going to see the field regardless, and he'll have a shot if Blake doesn't do well to, to go in there. So like, just typically what would be Sawyer's story could still be Sawyer's story. The part that doesn't make any sense to anybody is if you were to name Sawyer Robertson the starter because yeah. then that would just be like, why would you do that? And then I've seen the I've already seen the well. Where's Blake Shapin gonna go? Well, I don't know. Go play baseball somewhere. Maybe if he if he doesn't get the yeah. starting quarterback job, or maybe he's just like. I don't know. I, I will go somewhere else. I'll go to Azusa Pacific or something or, you know, whatever team. And I understand he's kind of in a pickle as far as that goes. But just because he's doesn't have the, the freedom of movement, and Sawyer doesn't either have he just transferred, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're like, well, he can't leave, so let's go ahead and name a starter. So that, that doesn't make very much sense to me. So long story short, they feel really good about Blake. That's why you would do it. Otherwise, I don't see the point in it. Yeah, I've 
think that's probably the least likely scenario is Sawyer Robertson winning it just because yeah. it, winning it at this time. In the fall, maybe. But, I mean, everything that I've seen and heard, I, I, I do feel like Blake has kind of taken the job right now. At least I think he's submitted it to the point where going into the spring game, I think he is the guy. He's gotten the most reps with the ones throughout spring. Um, and even though Sawyer's gotten reps with the ones, it just feels like it's been kind of Blake's team, you know, during the spring. And so we'll see if he can carry that momentum into the spring game. I know there's going to be a lot of people who say, oh, it's just because Blake's a good practice quarterback and blah, 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 blah. Um, but at the end of the day, if he comes out in the spring game and puts it on film once again, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue with it at that point. So, yeah, I agree with you. If they are going to name one, I do think it would be Blake. But I would be surprised to see them do that unless it's just, again, unless it's something where Sawyer absolutely knows that Blake is the guy and the staff obviously knows that he's the guy, then okay, maybe. Um, okay, so moving on from that position, let's – um. I think a couple things that have stood out to me over the last week. Um, Keetron Jackson is going to be one of the best receivers Baylor has had in a while. Like, so I, I don't know where to, to quantify that, but I think yards after the catch wise, he's going to be much more similar to a Corey Coleman than a Denzel Mims, Tyquan Thornton type. So if you're looking for a guy who he's more similar to, if you're going into the spring game or going into the season trying to figure out, you know, what kind of player is Keetron Jackson, he is the guy who can win one-on-ones down the sideline, much like a Denzel Mims or a Tyquan. But his special attribute is when he catches the ball across the middle of the field or catches a short pass, he turns into a running back, which is something that Corey Coleman did. It's something that a guy like CeeDee Lamb did at Oklahoma. Um... But it's just very clear they're raving about him. And the film from Arkansas, the film from high school, this guy is an absolute playmaker, a difference maker for this team. And I think a reason why the staff has, it seems like, has become comfortable with their wide receiving core since his addition. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, gotten a lot of praise over the course of spring. Uh, we've heard his name mentioned now by, you know, multiple people, multiple coaches, and uh, it's good to see. You know, there's the anecdote the other day about, him, you know, not wanting to be first in the reps they were doing because he didn't want to come in and feel like he was automatically getting that that fresh, you know, new guy bump uh, automatically, just like sliding in the front of the line and thought that said a lot about him. And, you know, they allowed him to, yeah, not have to be first up front and kind of earn his way, and he's clearly done that. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what he's able to do, uh, not just on Saturday but moving forward. And they need it, man. They don't have, um, you know, just – a star at wide receiver just yet. They've got some guys who you feel like good about, but they haven't necessarily put it all together. So the, you know, potential of a guy like a Monterey Baldwin now having a guy who's a much different in a Keychon Jackson and, you know, somebody hopefully emerges from this crop of young guys. They're like 10 deep, you know, all these young yeah. guys. I feel like there's, there's some good things going on in that wide receiver room but you know guys ultimately got to go and prove it but he's certainly been the name that you've heard the most often so yeah it's going to be cool to finally see him a bit more and uh definitely have some some expectations for him starting to grow ahead in the next season right he's get, i think he's going to be an absolute alpha for this team i'd be shocked if he wasn't one of the best receivers in the big 12 which is saying a lot in his first year of really showing that kind of production but two scrimmages down Two long touchdowns in both of them. Yeah. So he, he's been very, very impressive to me. Um, 
So, Meanwhile, I do want to yeah. make mention, uh, wide receiver-wise, we did get official word on Jalen Ellis uh, that he's transferred. He finally made it official, yeah. put the graphic out, and so uh, that is now official. So somebody say, glad you could get that out of your drafts folder. And, hey, I mean, I, I just – it wasn't a surprise, um, and there were rumblings that it had happened or was going to happen a while back, and, uh, you know, he obviously waited until now. I'm not rooting for it or cheering for it, but just saying that it was, you know, pretty expected, so it's official now. And We knew um, that when he was Yeah, he went on the spring roster, yeah. but it just never heard from him. So, anyways, now we have, and, and best of luck to Jalen Ellis on, on what the future holds. And he graduated. Yeah. So, great yeah, for him. Deal. Really happy for him. It, he's one of those recruitments where I think everyone at Baylor was cheering for him to have a great career. Sure. Um, just because it was, you know, that great relationship with Sean Bell, um, a four-star recruit. Just, yeah, really, really hard to – to see, you know, to see him go without being successful, injuries obviously were a big part of mm-hmm. that. Um, I did get a question really quick from BU at twelve with Patrick asking about Armani Winfield. Just really quickly, he's had a very nice spring. Um, there's a lot of depth at the wide receiver position and a lot of guys who do different things, but I do think he'll be in the two deep. I do think he'll get some run um, this season. Moving on, um, last scrimmage, Craig. Um, one guy really stood out. And was the MVP. And so I'm curious how far up the depth chart he's about to climb. And that guy is Bryson Washington, the true freshman running back. He had a huge day uh, at the scrimmage this past week. And so I'm curious to see kind of where he ends up. I think we're pretty clear on it being Richard Reese, Dominic Richardson. But it seems like he might be working his way up into that top three group after what was from what I heard, like a five touchdown day. Um, and he was clearly by far the MVP of the last, the second scrimmage. Yeah, some short yardage ones on that, mm-hmm. just to be clear. The one like all like 20 plus they yarders. Were all short. Yeah, yeah, but still five touchdowns is, is five touchdowns. And five touchdowns would put him like a third of the way to what Richard Reese did like all of last year. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a good looking, you know, young guy uh, who doesn't look much the part of a true freshman running back rolling in. Um, you notice that right away. Um, and, you know, we basically get glimpses into drills and whatnot, but he's an impressive-looking athlete. I mean, you definitely see, you know, kind of just the potential, um, you know, there, this explosiveness and just moves and just and watching him learn, like still realizing he's a young guy and getting pointers and trying to learn his way, but obviously having to make a big adjustment coming over from Franklin. But, yeah, I mean, it's been all positive there. And uh, Richard Reese, even if he's set to be better than he was last year, he still needs help around him, as we clearly saw. So Dominic Richardson is going to, you know, obviously take some of that. Um, and, you know, I think there's room beyond that and Quaylen Jones as well to uh, see somebody else come join the fray. They could really use that. And if that's, you know, a young guy in Bryson Washington, then so be it. But, yeah, he's he's been impressive from uh, what little I've gathered. And that's, you know, five touchdowns is five touchdowns. I don't care what setting it's in. So yeah, that's, that's it's true. It's, freshmen don't do that. Yeah. That's, especially coming from his background where yeah. it's not like he was at, you know, DeSoto last year playing high level six, a football. He was playing high level football. It's just at Franklin and they do it a bit differently there. So they do. Yeah. Um, but, that's, nope. that's great to hear. The one thing he did do for four years was put his foot in the ground and get upfield. It's all they want him <laughs> to do. Yeah. And he's good at that. And that's exactly what they're looking for. So it sounds like it's working really well. And, and hopefully that does translate to him having a, a I mean, it'd be great to have back to back years with a true freshman running backs breaking out. And that would mm-hmm. really, Get you excited about what the Reese Washington combination, along with others uh, as well, 
could potentially do in that backfield. So, yeah, that's yeah. good to hear. And he's already six foot, a little over 205 pounds. So a, right. a big prospect already for a mm-hmm. true freshman. Um, I guess the other thing, you know, there's two other things that I would say I'm looking for. I'm curious about this secondary because the secondary has really struggled from what I can tell this spring. Um, and that's not shocking. I mean, we've mentioned this, I feel like, ad nauseum every week. I mean, they lost five guys who played a ton of football for this team last year. Most of them were starters. And then Devin Lemire has not played this spring because he's dealing with the uh, the shoulder surgery they had this offseason. So you have all these things combined, and it's just like you're throwing out these young guys and hoping that they mature overnight. You're moving guys into different positions, and I think it's been a, a real struggle for them. Um, so I would say, first of all, don't overreact to what you see this weekend, but also tr- let's try to figure out, okay, who are the guys that can be real playmakers for this defense going into the season, and how many transfers do they need to take in the secondary? Yeah, I mean, I've not gotten really super excited about that group, just been sort of in wait-and-see mode and uh, can't always like see them very well at the mm-hmm. practices necessarily. So uh, this will be on Saturday, the first like great glimpse at really getting to sit back and watch them and having the view that we'll have, you know, in the stadium. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they went and obviously got Isaiah Dunson. Uh, but outside of that, they've seen a lot of turnover in that room. I mean, two years ago they lost – every starter basically. Uh, and then last year they kind of had some of their starters back. I mean, Mark Milton had started before, you know, at times and Christian Morgan, Christian Morgan had started obviously at Al times. Walcott, yeah. Al Walcott had started at times, but they weren't like the guys that the year prior, they were like the guys, the guys necessarily, I guess Christian Morgan would have been Walcott was like bouncing around. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't like the starting, uh, what, uh, Star last no he he was starting star last year but cornerback the year before but he had transferred that's what I'm saying right. like so there had been turnover there some mm-hmm. more but then now what like you still had though some things you could like build the pile out of of parts and you could build something new because Al Walcott had played some star and he could he was back and he could transition elsewhere and Mark Milton had played a little bit and it started and Christian Morgan had played a lot of games so it's mm-hmm. like these weren't. JT Woods and Kalen Barnes and those guys, but they had played quite a bit. Now they're all gone. So you're really like the cupboard is pretty bare, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, is what I'm getting at is you went from like top shelf to like mid shelf to now you're like all the way at the bottom shelf, kind of starting this whole process sort of on over. And Lemire really is the only guy that you can point to and say like, oh yeah, he's played some, some ball already. So yeah, it's uh it's a little bit concerning, and then you hear the reports out of Saturday of, like, you know, not not getting a whole lot of stops that you love to see. But, you know, I, I have faith in Matt Pallage. Uh, I'm sure they'll attack the transfer portal. It sounds like that's going to be a, a must for them. I don't know what will all be out there, but post-spring, that should be replenished. And, yeah, they're going to, it sounds like, have to get active in there. Uh, but we'll see what they do on Saturday. That's certainly, though, I think an area where everybody's sort of like, hmm, I don't I don't know. Right. And right now in the Big 12, the way that it's going, I don't know if that's a spot that you really want to be, hmm, I don't know, when you look at kind of the way that everybody's going as far as passing the ball. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a, of a scary proposition. Definitely is. Okay, so the last thing I want to hit on is this conundrum that I guess I've had throughout the spring. So, 
essentially most of the spring, we've heard the defensive line has done a great job getting pressure on the quarterback. We've seen the TJ Franklin 20 sacks over the spring numbers. We've seen just, you know, reports of guys getting sacks all throughout camp. And so it makes you question, okay, is it the offensive line that's struggling or is the defense line taking a big step forward? On the flip side, the offensive line did a great job running the football on Saturday, which tells me, okay, maybe things are turning around for that group and we're starting to see that wide zone really, you know, come into view. And I think Eric Mateos really getting those guys kind of figured out, getting the transfers acclimated, and getting these guys who haven't played a ton acclimated in the offense as well. Um, That's going to be a huge key for me. You know, who wins that battle, and what does that look like? Is it individual guys making plays, or is it just one group clearly being way better than the other group? Um, Very fascinated by that, and something I'm definitely going to be watching. Yeah, I uh, have watched both those groups a little bit I mean there's definitely some things that stand out as far as being positives like the size of some guys just the the coaching they're getting and and all that but uh, but yeah it's very curious I mean there's a lot of turnover to to take account of I mean the entire O-line last year very little coming back that's you know super experienced or starting experience wise and then on the flip side um, they had a lot of fifth and sixth year guys they've been playing with that are all now gone so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit curious of how that's all going to line up, but I guess the saving grace is if you're worried about it. Well, last year everybody was quite positive that both of them were going to be elite and be damn near dominant, and uh, neither was the case. They were fine. Uh, O-line was pretty good by the end of the year, but I wouldn't say that just all year long they dominated like you expected, and the D-line certainly didn't do what you expected that they were going to do with the talent that they you know, allegedly had at their disposal. So, yeah, I'm curious to see. With a lot less fanfare than they've had on either side in, in probably a couple years, uh, that might be a good thing for, for this team, that even though they do have something coming back on the D-line, they're not getting a lot of hype like with Ika and Jackson Player rolling in and everybody else coming back. So, yeah, that'll that'll be good to see the battle in the trenches. Yeah, where I kind of stand on that is I feel pretty confident that the starting rotation on the Baylor defensive line is really good. I feel like Gabe Hall, TJ Franklin, Jackie Marshall – I feel great about those three. Like, I I have no concerns with those guys, to be honest. The depth, maybe, but I guess where I'm kind of at is if the starting unit for the defensive line is not dominating the Baylor offensive line, that's a great sign. I think that's the sign that I'm going to be looking for the most. Um, How often is TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall getting penetration and getting into the backfield? Um, Or is the offense line holding up? That's going to be great to watch. I do think, you know, the adjustment of the transfers is going to be something to watch too. We'll probably talk about that more after the game. Um, But I'm really, this is going to be a lot of fun getting to see this this team come back out there and hopefully play with more, as Scott Drew would say, joy than they did a year ago. Um, that's going to be a big thing as well, just seeing the environment, the leadership, and just how excited everyone is. Yeah, sometimes it's not the biggest thing in the world, the spring game, but um, you know there can definitely be, I guess, too many takeaways at times. You overreact to it. You can also underreact to it, I think, as well, and, and not give it any credence, I don't think, is is uh, really the way to go either. I think there's a nice balance somewhere in the middle where you can gather some things and not just presume that's how they're going to look in August Uh, but yeah it'll be fun to see the quarterbacks out there first time seeing Sawyer Roberts uh, Robertson for a lot of people Uh, RJ Martinez will get some burn I'd imagine Mm -hmm. as well everybody will uh, get out there but yeah some uh, newcomers to 
pay pay note of uh, not only through recruiting but um the traditional means but also through the transfer portal a lot of new faces to check out as well so yeah this is going to be be interesting on saturday um does that kind of cover where you're all looking yeah i mean that's that's most of the main stuff for me as well as uh the lines the secondary and then also just some good positive things like Bryson Washington, uh, like Keytron Jackson, and then you know a lot of things obviously that we're probably not even thinking about or touching on just yet. So Saturday, the Green and Gold game coming up at McLean Stadium, and uh, not imagining they're trying to like they they're clearly not going the route of like let's make it the biggest spring game ever. It's yeah. just it's very casual in comparison to some other schools and how they do things, but. Uh, I think that fits Aranda and, and Baylor. Uh, but, you know, certainly Matt Pallage has been noticeable as a guy bringing juice to the table. It'll be good to see him back out there as well, running the defense. So a lot to look forward to and a lot to, to wonder about uh, heading into the green and gold game. And then there will be a lot to talk about. And there will definitely be overreactions, uh, best believe it, uh, based on what we see on Saturday. We'll talk about some of those on next week's show, Good, Bad, and uh, otherwise. All right, so that's coming up, and uh, where else should we turn our attention? I, I mean, the women's basketball, they want to make mention their their transfers became official mm-hmm. um, that we talked about last week with Yaya Felder and who's the other one that I'm missing? Jada Walker, yeah. I believe. Uh, those became officially signed additions, so great pickups there for Nikki Collin that I wanted to make mention of. And I think, and then uh, obviously, just kind of dancing around a little bit. Baseball, big series against Texas, uh, fell ultimately. Played and, so well too. Yeah, played well. Um, you know, and I, I put them, I think, on the bad because they went one and two against Texas, and I, I could see where you could look at it like, oh, well, that was a good actually. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of at the point where I feel like if I did that, I'd be doing that all year long. You would be. But we, every I, series is, yeah. is good loss, and I don't want to do that. So, that, but I understand where that could be polished up a little bit more against you know a top tenish team like Texas. But it's I the just, reality of their situation. It so is how how good are they doing for how good they are? Right. You know what I mean. But, but I, I didn't want to do that like five yeah, weeks in a row. You I know agree. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So because I don't want to welcome that to where it's like they just played hard and tried well. But they yeah. are they are playing hard and they are trying hard and they are scrappy and uh they've made things entertaining if not always pretty but you know certainly i think they showed some of their muster uh in the losses to texas and had an opportunity to win that series also had an opportunity to get blown out uh but they they made it competitive and that was good to see yeah now they go to lubbock which has been i mean they've won there but my goodness a few of the times that they've played there they've just gotten absolutely beaten horribly most notably 2019 when baylor had such a great team and then went in there and just got smoked with um, the big 12 championship essentially on the line so hoping that they come out continue to battle um i was proud of them though that series was ultra competitive we saw some great moments saw a walk off which was really cool uh in the second game that they won um they're fighting they're fighting for their coach that's all you can really ask for and obviously they're gonna have to win the big 12 tournament to have any chance at postseason um which likely won't happen um but i have seen signs that i think at least i can be comfortable with where they're at in year one under mitch thompson yeah sure uh there's definitely some some seeds growing right now and i'm excited to see where they are you know a few months from now where they are uh, next season and where they are by the end of this season. I mean, not to get too far ahead, but they're they're scrappy. That's for sure. You don't always want to be known that way because it's kind of almost right. becomes disrespectful. But they've, uh, you know, they've managed to keep things pretty entertaining despite the fact that you know they're 
middle of the road as far as the as the record goes. So yeah, Mitch Thompson and baseball are, are entertaining. Glenmore and softball uh, keep doing their thing as well. They got a massive series coming up against Oklahoma this weekend. So the number one Sooners, thirty nine and one, I think they are, and the one loss was to Baylor earlier this year. So they're so going to be looking. They're going to be looking to probably do some things uh, if they can and and uh, get a little measure of revenge, if at all possible, I would think. But, yeah, if you're looking for some high-level softball, then certainly Baylor's playing that right now uh, with a, a pretty good cast of stars, and, and Oklahoma's the, the elite of the elite. So that ought to be one hell of a series coming up this weekend in Waco. So that's sort of where we are. A lot of other sports winding down and, um, you know, kind of – going to the uh, to the wayside, but uh, still a lot to keep track of. All right, you want to get into the mailbag, I guess? Let's, or Let's talk a little recruiting because okay. Baylor did get committed. Oh, yeah, that's week. right, yeah. And then, and then we'll talk because they did put out three offers in the transfer portal. So let's start with the commit, though. So Brandon Booker, DeSoto linebacker, 2024 prospect. He becomes commit number four in the 2024 class, joining Colton Siraki, Brock Jackson, Jaden Porter. Uh, this is Christian Robinson's first commit that he, in my eyes, has been the primary recruiter for. Uh, they have a great relationship. I mentioned it in his commitment post, but one thing they said about Christian Robinson that I think is very interesting and very insightful into the way that Baylor's recruiting the linebacker position right now. But the quote is, if Christian Robinson didn't go to Baylor, then I don't know exactly, or I don't exactly know how my relationship with Baylor would be. So that is just a key factor. So meaning... If Ron Roberts was still here, he doesn't know where that relationship would be. But with Christian Robinson in the fold, it really made him, you know, very interested in Baylor. And Booker, high-level prospect, a guy that's played at the highest level of football in Texas. He was a 6A first-team selection, 137 tackles, 9.5 for loss, four interceptions, one and a half sacks, a forced fumble, um, helped lead DeSoto to a state championship this year. And then as a sophomore, he also had 92 tackles. So this guy is just a productive guy. His stats remind me a lot of Nick Bolton, who is a former DeSoto great, plays for the Chiefs now. Statistically, they're different levels of athletes. Bolton was a lot bigger, um, not as tall, but bigger, um, a wider frame, but ultra productive. And these are the kind of guys that I think you want in your class. I think Booker's a better athlete than people give him credit for. Um, and I just, I think this is a great pickup. And if you like offer lists, this is the kind of guy for you. I mean, he chose Baylor over Arkansas, LSU, Florida State, Auburn, Michigan State, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Colorado. Great offer list, great pickup. A guy who's a borderline four-star guy for me. I think I have him as a high three-star right now just because of athletic testing things. But a very good pickup and one who I think Baylor fans need to be really excited about because it shows where Christian Robinson is kind of taking uh, this linebacker group. Yeah, commit number four, uh, first time in a couple months that we've seen a, a new pledge, uh, but it's been back-to-back linebackers now with Brock Jackson uh, from Lumberton uh, back in February, and now Brandon Booker of DeSoto, and as you mentioned, comes from a winning program and a lot of production, uh, so you can't go wrong uh, with what you see on paper and on film for uh, Brandon Booker, so yeah, a fun addition, and that's four now for 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaden Porter committing about a year ago now at this point, uh, close to a year uh, by the end of April. Uh, actually, five days from now will be the one-year anniversary of Jaden Porter's initial commitment. Uh, and then Colton Siraki back in late January. 
uh, the offensive lineman from the Woodlands, and now, yeah, the back-to-back linebackers in, in February and uh, April. So, yeah, uh, looking looking like it's starting to shape up this smaller class. Still expecting that as far as uh, the, the size and everything. It's um, fluid. Yeah, I think a big part of it is, right, how many guys they lose after spring football, how many transfers they take to replace them, what's the eligibility of those transfers. All of those will play a factor into how many guys they can take in 2024. My expectation in general is they'll probably be right around 20, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe 19. A lot of that's just, again, attrition, which we can't really predict in my eyes. I don't like just predicting that guys are going to leave programs because sometimes that never happens. Um, But yeah, right now it's looking like a smaller class than their past few. All right, uh, anything else recruiting-wise? Yeah, really quick, I did want to mention they put out three transfer offers um, yesterday, so I think that's pretty important. The positions that they focused on were cornerback and then one defensive line offer. They're also looking at a jack um, prospect who has not publicly released an offer, but I I just have a hunch that he has been offered. So more so just wanted to talk about positions. I'm not going to dive into each of these prospects currently just because all it is is an offer right now. Um, But I do think it's really important to mention that, hey, cornerback is a position they're looking at. Safety is a position they're looking at. Essentially, best player available type in the secondary. They need more bodies, more productive bodies and more guys with experience in the secondary. And then it looks like defensive line and Jack are two positions that they're definitely paying attention to. And then I think if they get more room as in, if they lose more got more guys after the spring, I think there's a chance they could take another offensive lineman. Maybe if the right guy enters. And again, if they have room, um, but in general, I'm looking at secondary, uh, the Jack position, maybe defensive line, maybe offensive line, and I think that's pretty much it. So if they take right around four guys, I think that would make a lot of sense to me, but that would require more attrition because right now they only have two spots available. So it is fluid, uh, the the numbers and where they go recruiting-wise, uh, but some good things to keep in mind and uh, some things to be mindful of as the portal starts to, to wake back up and certainly will be... Uh, probably see an entrance fast and feverishly uh, here over these next. How was the portal dates? Do you fifteenth through thirtieth? So two weeks of yeah. fast and furious entries. I would and imagine. And it's weird because Baylor's spring game is just sitting right in the middle of it. Yeah. So they they're going to have a week to figure out how many for sure spots they have. You know, because a lot of teams their springs are over, so they're already getting a taste of what the portal is going to be like. Um, which has been fascinating, by the way. A lot of high, highly ranked mm-hmm. guys uh, have been entering, but most of them are young guys. That's kind of been what this cycle has been about, young guys entering, a few grad transfers. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. They, they have two weeks to kind of figure out their roster. All right, so green and gold game coming up this weekend. Jaden Nunn is a bear Pledging to Scott Drew in men's basketball, uh, Nikki Collin in women's basketball, making a couple of their previously known transfers uh, now official as far as signing on the dotted line goes in uh, Jaden Walker and Yaya Felder. And uh, baseball just chipping away, softball doing their thing, but a huge, huge matchup as we talked about a few moments ago uh, coming into town with the number one overall Oklahoma Sooners. And uh, just a lot going on. But uh, let's dive into the mailbag and, and what maybe we haven't touched on will will be mentioned here uh, as we do have a few questions this week. And let's start off with Brown BW. Who else besides 
Jalen Ellis goes to the portal. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out, huh? Yeah, but I would also say, I just to kind of put this in perspective, we kind of already knew Ellis was going in the portal because he wasn't on the spring roster. Right. So, I mean, if you're asking me who are the other guys that aren't on the roster, some of them, you know, Cisco Castan, Javon Gibson, Bryce Simpson. Um, there are quite a few guys who weren't on the roster. We mentioned those back when spring started. As far as guys, you know, as you look forward, who could enter? Um, again, I don't like to speculate on that. I do think there will be a few guys who leave. I think it should be fairly obvious who those guys are. If you're an older guy who's third string, there's a chance you might leave. You know what I mean? Like that. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, so I would just kind of look look for guys like that potentially. Um, I don't think we're going to see, at least to my knowledge, I don't think we'll see any medical retirements. Um, that I, I wouldn't think so. Um, maybe maybe guys retire. That's possible. But I don't know about medical. Um, oh, yeah, Tay McWilliams wasn't on the roster either. I know we talked about that a while ago, but he's another one. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just patience is, is all I would say after the spring game. Scotty B, the Baylor King, if the current players can move on from an old coach and support the current coach, why can't fans do the same? I mean, it's no use to look back and cry over spilt milkshakes, and the players and coaches will notice the fake fans out there. Even Dre Edwards said to a Baylor fan on Instagram, "How are you a Baylor fan yet not supporting my coach? Just stop it's that just stop it that's weird behavior." So there wasn't really a question. I mean, there was a question I guess at the very beginning, but uh for those who don't know where Scotty B's coming from, clearly talking about Nikki Collin and not supported the same way as I guess Kim Mulkey was or is or whatever and Dre Edwards is on Instagram, I guess um you know, calling out Baylor fans who aren't supporting Nikki Collins. So, um, man, this is something that I uh, typically stay out of because it's there's it's a not really a no win situation. There's there's people that have their sides. I find it all bizarre. I, I find that this this is kind of a recurring theme. I think with certain portions of the fan base of just this um, idolization or this chip on the shoulder. I, I don't know. Like it's just. Especially with Mulkey, it's it's very tribal, and uh, I understand because of all the success that she had and how long she was around. So I'm not denying that there's not legitimate reasons for why people would be supportive of her. But I, I don't know about the the Instagram folks and the folks who are this or that. I I don't care, um, and and I'm not going to change minds. But do you have any thoughts on on the tribalism? I guess is one way to put it, uh, or just the people who aren't don't like Nikki Collin. I don't know. Like I. I don't know. I feel like I'm just yelling at people on Twitter, kind of, and it's 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 not really going to change anybody's minds. I mean, I'm happy that Dre Edwards called out Baylor fans because yeah, that's Kim Mulkey's not Baylor's coach anymore. And if you're a Baylor fan, then you need to be cheering for Nikki Collin to be successful, while also acknowledging that Kim Mulkey is a winner. Kim Mulkey's won everywhere that she's gone. That's fine, um, but I think being supportive of Baylor is is kind of what. Baylor fans need to be doing. I mean, that that's your school. Who cares about the coach who's gone and not here anymore? So, yeah, I mean, good for her. Good for her saying that. They're going to be really good next year. I, You know, Garrett and I, Craig, you as well, we've talked about it. They're going to be really good next year. And so all the people who are upset, getting mad about Kim Mulkey, you know, talking about Nikki Collin, talking about the team, uh, I think they're going to regret that next year because I, I think they're going to be really good. And it doesn't help that, you know, one of the top players in the transfer portal from Louisville and Haley Van Lith is probably going to go to LSU. She's visiting there. Yeah. And so that was the runner-up, uh, or Baylor was the runner-up when she chose Louisville. So that's just adding more fuel to 
everybody's little fire. But, yeah, I mean, Scotty, people have their opinions. I, I do question how many people are Baylor fans or they're Kim Mulkey fans. I think we definitely learned during football saga that they were Baylor fans. And then there were people in the middle who really were Baylor fans and coach fans. And then there are people who are just fans of the coach. And I think there's a little bit of that going on here as well. And so uh, I don't know how you get everybody under one roof and, and agreeing on anything. I think that'll be impossible. Just win. But just win uh, yeah. is really the best thing that Nikki Collin can do. Uh, Big Cheese, 83. Ever since the end of the 22 football season, a lot's been made about Baylor falling behind in the NIL race, seemingly. Well, I don't expect Baylor to ever put up the kind of money UT and A&M are, and I'm fine with that. There have been some rumors coming out. Baylor's very far behind Texas Tech and TCU and even behind some schools like SMU. My question about Baylor's NIL situation is this. Does Baylor have a comparatively small NIL sphere because they can't compete with other schools, lack of funding for donors, etc., or because they don't want to compete with other schools, even ones like Tech and TCU, because they don't think that having a competitive NIL component is part of building a good football program? I think that for Baylor, they recognize where they're at in the landscape of NIL. And so I don't think that NIL is going to ever be the most important factor for Baylor, like it is for some other schools. And I'm not saying that it is for Tech and TCU, but I do think that some schools are going to try to throw that money around, and that's going to be a huge part of recruitments. I think Baylor wants every kid that they recruit to love Baylor first before NIL becomes a big part of it because honestly that's what Baylor has to do. They have to sell this, you know, this campus, this program, what they can do for you going forward and in the future and in the NFL. And so yeah, I think it's more that. Um but yeah, they they are comparatively they are smaller. Um they're even behind Tech and TCU in some regards in NIL for sure. Um but I do think they're closing that gap a little bit um year by year we'll see if they can close it completely but I, I think they're competitive enough to be every bit if not better than both of those programs I'm not too worried about when it compares to those when you compare them to some of the bigger schools yeah eventually that that's probably gonna be a huge problem I mean they're never going to match Texas and Oklahoma and A&M I mean that's just never going to right. happen it's just not ever going to happen so I mean I know you're not alluding to that either with the question but that's just the reality of the situation they're they like they might be able to go on one one player that way and go toe to toe mm-hmm. with them, but they're not going to be able to like fill out the entire roster. Uh, they don't have anything in place for their paying everybody what twenty thousand plus dollars like uh, Texas Tech is mm-hmm. uh, that you know got launched last year. There's, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, they're a smaller school. And they don't have the rounds and rounds of big donors that some other schools have, uh, but they can stay competitive, and that's what they're trying to do. And, you know, hopefully there's somebody out there with, you know, a big wallet that's a Baylor grad that eventually wants to turn into the next whoever you want to mention as far as big-time alums and donors go because they could really use that, and that would be timely, but I don't know if that person's out there. Um, so without having a bunch of folks ready to pony up to the table and throw money down, and I know there have been people that have done that, but it's just that in this world, like, it's never-ending now at this point. It's just like it's constant, and um, there's no limit to reach, really, it feels mm-hmm. like. Uh, so it's, it's shark-infested waters, and they've only got, um, you know, a couple of uh, great whites, whereas some others have like 10 or 15 great whites. <laughs> and right. that's, that's something that they're just running into. But um, they're staying competitive and not quite a dire situation just yet. Mm-hmm. The SMU thing's interesting. Um, I guess that would be a bigger deal if they were in the Pac-12. But um, 
you know, interesting that they're apparently thought of as having thrown around more money in NIL as well. I think they have because I think they've done something similar to Tech where it's every player's getting okay. a certain amount yeah, of money. Yeah, that makes but, sense. But, again, they're in the G5 level, so it's a little bit different, right, because they're still now, playing with a certain yeah. pool. Yeah. Unless they were to, to make them move to the pack, Maybe. if that's even possible. Yeah, yeah, possible, I guess. Uh, Brazos, uh, but, yeah, I mean, answer your question. It's it's a concern. I don't think it's a grave concern just yet, but it is something to keep in, in you know, Keep in mind, Brazos, does it seem like we really need an O-line transfer at the end of the spring to shore up a spot, center, or right tackle, or at minimum add depth? We're looking at possibly three starting guys that have played a total of about 30 snaps combined with very little depth behind the spring starting five. Wouldn't you expect the staff to want another starter-level player on the O-line knowing there will be injuries during the year? We have almost zero playing experience with our second team. I want to trust Mateos, but this is scary. Seems like cornerback safety and O-line seriously need added experience. Cornerback, safety, Jack need it more, in my opinion. I think the offensive line, they would probably need two more spots to open for them to, I think, consider taking one, unless they just, someone enters that is just a no-brainer that they absolutely, that everyone on the staff wants to land. But I think they need more attrition if they're going to take an offensive lineman. I do agree, though. You know, with the principle of taking a center or a right tackle, if you take a center, that would allow you to move Clark Barrington to guard, which was his natural position at BYU. Um, if you take a right tackle, it would allow you to replace Elijah Ellis, who, you know, there's a lot of concerns about because he's been at Baylor for a long time, hasn't been healthy, hasn't really played a lot. Um, but I think in general, the staff's very comfortable with that unit. And so really adding one would be more of a luxury than a need. At least that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, again, they need more roster spots to open because they absolutely need one or two cornerbacks, one or two safeties, a jack probably, maybe a defensive lineman, and then you get to offensive line. So, I mean, you're talking about you know five more spots or six spots before you get to offensive line. Dak, JD90, what are the advantages of naming a starting quarterback after the spring game? I mean, if I just really wanted to dive deep and say, here's one advantage I can think of, I guess it's that you have your face of the program, you have your leader established going into the summer. That's the only reason I can think of. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it was last year, was to let everybody rally around Blake, which they clearly didn't do. Um, And, you know, hopefully take two, if that's to be the case, that that would be different because Blake's different than he was a year ago even. But, he is. I mean, that would be the reason, too, is like, hey, Blake's the guy, rally around Blake, and let's move forward and Sawyer support him and, you know, let's let's go. Um, but just knowing the guy, knowing that that's your QB1, uh, can be seen as, I guess, beneficial that there's not, like, this debate, there's not a splitting of, like, oh, well, this is Team Sawyer and this is Team Blake and, and creating that kind of an atmosphere so, yeah, everybody just on the same page would be the, the benefit. But I, I see benefits to not doing it as well. Again, if, if they feel, though, that Blake's just that much of a clear-cut favorite and Sawyer's already acknowledged he's willing to, to sit back and wait mm-hmm. his turn, then I don't think it's as damaging as doing it last year. I just don't think it's absolutely necessary either uh, to, to have to do it. But, you know, we'll see what Dave Aranda says on Saturday, I guess. Uh Thank you, Dak. Pawpaw Bear, one of the hinges to the, to the door of an 8-10 to 10 win season, I believe, will be special teams. I have high hopes with Matt Pallage and the new off-field special teams coach. Have you seen anything in practice to indicate improvement? 
Yeah, so Tyler Hancock is the special teams coach that you're referring to there. And yeah, I mean, it seems like they're making it an emphasis. I believe that Dave Rand always has, but last year they just struggled. And honestly, it was kind of surprising that they struggled as much as they did because they had so many veterans there. But they revamped the kicking staff. They brought in Jack Stone from Michigan State. Palmer Williams, the uh, one of the best punters in the entire country, will take over for Isaac Power. You have... Um, uh, Hankins, who's still there as well. So those are kind of the three guys that I think are going to be handling most of the kicking duties and punting and kickoff and things like that. Um, and then they have explosive playmakers in the return game. So yeah, I do think you'll see some improvements there and hopefully they, they need those improvements to reach the ceiling they're looking for. If special teams aren't better, that would be surprising. Um, I expect that they will be, and I think that that's an area where, yeah, you might have been able to squeak out another win or two if you just execute a bit better in that area, and I think that they're smart enough to realize that. So that definitely needs to be cleaned up or be more advantageous, and I, and I think they are addressing that, Papa. So, yeah, I mean, they're not a feature of practices when we're out there. They're basically off to their own field by themselves most of the time, but – uh, there's a lot of depth there and, and clearly a, a focus, and that's that's good to see. Bruin 92, with what you have seen this spring, are we in for another rough ride with the secondary this fall? As I said, I'm not going to go off of much of what I see this spring because I think when the season gets here, we're going to see a totally different secondary than what we're seeing here. I mean, they're going to have Devin Lemire. They're probably going to have two or three transfers starting in the secondary. Um, you'll have Bryson Jackson, A.J. McCarty. I mean, you'll have options. I just... I don't think what we're seeing this spring is what is ultimately what we're going to see in the fall. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be better because I trust Matthew Pallage. Alpha Needle, excluding new members, which of the current Big 12 schools mm. are most happy or proud to be in the Big 12? Huh. Happy or proud? So, I don't know how many are really happy or proud to be in the I mean, maybe Iowa State because that's really I mean, I where else they are they going to be? I mean, I, I right? I mean, why would you What is happy and proud to be in the Big 12? I mean, I, I guess they're happy and proud to be in the Big 12. I mean, you're in the – you can argue they're in the third best conference. They're in a much better situation than the Pac-12. I mean, sure. shoot, I, I I don't see how you could be that unhappy with it. I mean, yeah, would you rather be in the Big 10 or the SEC making that kind of money? Sure, that's fine. But, like, for where these programs are at, I feel like it's a pretty good spot. I mean – Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's, it's very – Open question. Yeah. Um, I, I'm saying more from the standpoint of the fact that they've all tried to jump off the ship at various times uh, doesn't mean that they're all like thrilled and, and all that, but the fact that the ship is still afloat after all this time and given it could have sank about two years ago, I think they're, yeah, everybody who's on board right now is pretty happy with where they are. I don't know. I'd assume uh, teams who don't have a lot of other options would probably be the happiest or proudest, and I don't know. Baylor probably fits in that category. Um, Iowa State. Uh, certainly would fit into that category. Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not a lot of other landing spots, so I think everybody's ecstatic to be where they are and uh, not the alternative that could have been facing the Big 12 for sure. Uh, outside of Dave Aranda, which two Big 12 football coaches would you most likely be friends with outside of the college football scene? Would I? I mean, geez. I know Joey, so I guess. Yeah, Joey McGuire, know him. Uh, go and chalk that one up. Yeah, I think that's the easiest one for us. Um, as far as other guys, I, Chris Kleiman seems like he'd be a really, he seems like a really cool guy just based on the interviews I've seen with him and just, you know, asking him questions. He seems like a, a good one. Definitely not Matt Campbell. Um, no, I don't think it'd be that fun, probably. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian. Um, Sonny Dykes, maybe. He seems like a pretty yeah, cool guy. Yeah, I can guy. see, like, just 
Neil Brown being an easy guy to get along yeah. with. Um, so maybe him. But yeah, Joey McGuire and um, yeah, maybe Climbing or Neil Brown. Gus Malzahn. How how are we feeling about Gus? I don't mind. don't mind. Him. Yeah, yeah, maybe either. go play around at golf or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it seemed like all. I mean, definitely wouldn't be Holgerson. Uh, probably not Sark, no. I don't know Satterfield very well. Don't know Satterfield Cincy. much enough to know whether that'd be a good fit or not. But, yeah, I Kalani mean. Kalani Sataki's a pretty good dude. Yeah, no, he yeah. seemed. Yeah, I'll go Sataki and, and Joey. That's, a, that's an easy one, and that seems like it'd work out well for me. Yeah, I'll go Joey and Kleiman. All right. Thank you, Alpha Needle, for that. Sammy Grace Bear, who do you think our best target for the quarterback in 24 will be? I mean, that's a lot of projecting because they haven't offered one um, that's not either commit elsewhere or interested in other schools. But I guess I'll say, you know, Nate Bennett, the Oaks Christian quarterback, he's going to visit Baylor again this weekend. Noah Lugo from Eaton High School, he's visiting as well. So those two guys seem to be two that are rather interesting. Um, I guess I'll go with Nate Bennett right now. Um, California kid, both his parents went to Baylor as well. So there's a tie in there. Bear for cleats, in your opinion, which walk-ons are making the strongest case for a scholarship following spring ball? That's a good question. Wow. Well, you mentioned one in the second question. R.J. Martinez seems like a fairly likely candidate. Yeah. Also, do you think staff will put yeah. R.J. Martinez on scholarship to put help shore up the quarterback room? Again, so he seems like one that I, I would potentially offer. I mean, having three quarterbacks on scholarship seems pretty normal. That seems like a, a normal number for Baylor um, over its time. I don't know as far as the other guys because a lot of guys have been in, in the Baylor program for a long time and haven't gotten an offer. I'm trying to think of guys who maybe I don't really see room for a lot of scholarships to be divvied it, out to walk-ons. If we're sitting here talking about a pinch to even get guys in the transfer pool right. and how we award scholarships to walk-ons. Right, but I – but I think it's going to happen. Well, yeah, I think it's probably going to happen, calculated. but, I mean, it's not going to be, like, five guys. Oh, no. So it's no, no, no. going to be, like, maybe R.J. Martinez. But I don't know. I'll answer your question. I don't know, but on R.J. Martinez, who's even a great candidate for yeah. that right now. Um, Jack Stone, maybe. Like, whoever wins the kicking battle between Stone and Hankins, that could be yeah. an option. Um, but I just I wouldn't want to waste a lot of them because it's, I do think there are a lot of needs that they need to address, but – We'll see. I mean, obviously, you're gonna you're gonna at least put one or two on just because you kind of have to if you want your walk on program to be successful. Um, but yeah, I, RJ is the most likely, I would say. Yeah, I think there's probably a safe bet in that just to go ahead and solidify the rest of that room and have your your three QBs like Grayson said. So I could see that. Don't know if that will happen. Obviously, uh, as far as the rest, Jack Stone makes sense because he was a transfer and kind of know him a bit better than your typical walk on. But as far as just like the all natural walk ons that are just appearing on the roster uh, without much explanation because they weren't you know recruited or whatnot, I'm not sure about that. Maybe that's something that we see a bit more of on Saturday. Some some names emerge about you know possibilities. Uh, gold and green. Do you know if gold helmets will be the standard home uniform this year? Seems like they're putting all of the visiting recruits in gold, green, green. No idea if they're going to do that. I mean, they they will wear gold. I mean, some, but I don't think that's going to be standard like every game. I, I don't see that either. No, I mean they mix it up pretty well. Um, I probably not well enough for some people. Um, you know, there's uniform nitpicking that goes on for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything about a standard official, you know, uniform, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would think that green helmets will probably be more of the norm than the gold helmets will be, but don't know anything about that for sure. Um, ZT Smith, four, two, three. 
Uh, we'll close this out here. If you had to pick one over the other, which position is a bigger need, safety or corner? Appreciate you guys and all the work you do, and uh, thank you, ZT, as well. And Golden Green, uh, back to that question. If it was old gold, then I'd probably say that because that's what they used to wear. But mm-hmm. since it's yellow, um, that's I don't feel going to be their, their natural go-to. But maybe I'm wrong on that. We Like I said, we will see. Uh, but back to ZT, uh, if you had to pick one over the other, safety or corner, bigger need? That's a tough question. I think if you have two spots, you're taking a corner and a safety. So I, they're very similar. So if I had to pick one, I'd probably go safety. Um, the main reason is because they really only have one guy who I feel good about, which is Devin Lemire. Um, I think at corner, I feel okay about Dunson. I feel okay about Tevin Williams. I think they need to add someone, but the safety spot, I know there is one spot where they absolutely need a starter, so I think that makes me a little bit more nervous about that position. Just barely, though. It's close. So whoever's opposite Devin Lemire, is that what you're saying? Well, if Devin plays field like he did last year or if he moves to boundary, yeah, they need a guy for that position. Also, if Bryson Jackson, A.J. McCarty aren't playing well, they might need one at star. I, I mean, unfortunately, like, they got to figure it out. They got to add more talent. But I do see at least one position being completely open for a safety. So take that as you will, and uh, certainly something to chew on as we head into Saturday's spring game, green and gold game for Baylor bringing their 15 spring practices to a close. And obviously still a lot of questions remain unanswered and Hopefully some of those get answered to some extent on Saturday. And then, of course, there will be plenty that uh, do not. And we will be talking about those again next week, I'm sure, and uh, throughout the offseason, depending on what exactly those stories are, those questions are. But, uh, yeah, a lot to figure out with this team. And we're not going to get it all solved on Saturday, but there will at least be a nice glimpse into sort of what all the work's been, you know, working towards and where they kind of are uh, on the barometer as this will be our last glimpse before they break for – Uh, the next few months into July when we'll see them at uh, media days and then eventually back out to fall practices. But that's going to be a ways of a wait. So Mm -hmm. uh, better enjoy this week, practice later on today, and then one more, and then the uh, game on Saturday. So winding down here with spring ball. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to get back in McLean Stadium and watch it. It always is a great time, and I'm going to be watching a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so we'll be uh, looking forward to that, have plenty of coverage of that on the website as well. And uh, like I said, a lot of questions to answer uh, in chats and on the shows and all that kind of stuff coming out of that as well. So, Grayson, uh, anything before we head out here? I don't think so. I I mean, it's going to be a really fun week. Lots of content on the website. We're going to have recruits in the studio uh, after the spring game as well. So be sure to check that out on Sikkim 365 Premium. And then, of course, 365 Sports, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, on our YouTube channel. Great college football content from y'all as well. Um, So, yeah, a lot of really fun things going on for us. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, Thanks to Garrett Ross behind the scenes, as always, doing a great job. We'll be back at 3 o'clock for... Those want to check out 365 Sports with myself, Smokey, and Paul. But I do thank you for listening. Thanks to all the great question askers this week as well. Hopefully we answered uh, what you were looking for. But if not, uh, you can always hit us back. Uh, But we do appreciate all you out there for supporting. Uh, Pass uh, along the word. And uh, please hit like and subscribe if you could as well if you're on the YouTube side of things or on the iTunes side of things or whatever the case may be. Five-star ratings, all that good stuff. Uh, We do appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. For Grayson, I'm Craig. This has been the BearCast on Sikkim365.com.